0: Good morning and welcome to First Unitarian Universalist Church of Austin. We are a spiritual community dedicated to the free and responsible search for truth, meaning, and beauty. I'm Chris Jimmerson. I'm Minister for Program Development here at the Church, and I have with me Bear Kolesqua, who is both our Director of Communications and our Religious Education Chaplain. This morning we'll be exploring the topic of perseverance together, which is also what our religious education classes and activities are exploring this month. We welcome each and every one of you here this morning.
1: We come from a long tradition of seeing the spark of the divine in every person in Unitarian Universalism. It is what drives us. It is what we believe. And in that, in our deep tradition, I invite you now to turn to those around you and greet that holy spark within each other. I invite you to join with me and say the words with which we light our chalice, the symbol of our faith. As we light the chalice... May our souls become its hearth. We join our hearts to the one great flame of bright compassion, beloved community, and fervent justice. May our sparks become a wildfire in the world, lighting the way for all.
0: Our call to worship this morning is by Maya Angelou, read by Maya Angelou.
2: You may write me down in history with your bitter, twisted lies. You may trod me in the very dirt, but still like dust, I'll arise. Does my sassiness upset you? Why are you beset with gloom? Just because I walk as if I have oil wells pumping in my living room. (laughs) Just like moons and like suns with the certainty of tides. Just like hope springing high, still I rise. Did you want to see me broken, bowed head and lowered eyes, shoulders falling down like teardrops, weakened by my soulful cries? Does my sassiness upset you? (laughs) Don't take it so hard just because I laugh, as if I have gold mines digging in my own backyard. Out of the huts of history's shame, I rise. Up from a past rooted in pain, I rise. A black ocean leaping and wide, welling and swelling and bearing in the tide. Leaving behind nights of terror and fear, I rise. Into a daybreak miraculously clear, I rise. Bringing the gifts that my ancestors gave, I am the hope and the dream of the slave, and so. Wow.
0: And in this church, what provides us with that clear direction is our mission. It's our common purpose, and we say it together every Sunday. Together, we nourish souls, transform lives, and do justice to build the beloved community. These are the words of Amy Van Ostal. This morning, I've been pondering a nearly forgotten lesson I learned in high school music. Sometimes in band or choir, music requires players or singers to hold a note longer than they actually can hold a note In those cases, we were taught to mindfully stagger when we took a breath so the sound appeared uninterrupted. Everyone got to breathe, and the music stayed strong and vibrant. Let's remember music. Take a breath. The rest of the chorus will sing. The rest of the band will play. And then rejoin so others can breathe. Together, we can sustain a very long, beautiful song for a very, very long time. You don't have to do it all, but you must add your voice to the song.
1: Now we come to the time in our worship where we become still, communing in the sacred silence. Some of us in this time choose to talk to God as we know God, or we watch simply as our breath enters and exits our bodies. Remember that in this sanctuary, the noises of life and the sounds of young children are part of our silence. Let us breathe together.
3: Try i so-
1: Once upon a time, there was a mighty lighthouse. The tower had a broad base and a big pink stripe spiraled up its body. The house and the house that uh, sat beneath it was always warm and inviting. Its furnishings were rough-hewn, but very cozy. The smells of lemons and cinnamon and vanilla swarmed around its great hearth, smelling of home and of good things to come. The lighthouse sat on a very old bay. For many years, it oversaw the sea and the swells as storms came and went, crashing over the shore and snarling at the tower with great blows, just crashing, and crashing, and crashing. And the lighthouse survived each one. Even though sometimes a window might be broken, or the tower would be scarred and chipped, it continued to be a beacon of safety and strength, standing against the storm and daring it only to try. Time passed, as time does, and the sea changed, Parts of the surrounding bay got deeper, others more shallow. Jagged boulders were upended in the distance to form a seawall, protecting the bay within. The jagged boulders that were upended were dangerous and dark, but protected the gentle pool beneath the watchful tower, making the lighthouse's job more important than ever to bring those closer to home. After some years, there was a dry dock near that was opened, and a little blue boat was taken from it. It was put into the water, and the lighthouse fell in love. It was squeaky, that boat, and it was small, but it was safe and dependable. That boat stayed afloat even when the ocean swelled and threatened it, or when it found itself being pushed toward the craggy uh, brakes and the jags out at sea. The little boat served its purpose well, no matter the gales against it, as it rescued many who were lost in the water, bringing them safely to shore without fail. Once, the little blue boat's oars fell off, and it was swept quickly into a current Unable to find its way home. It discovered many dark places in the sea. Some were far more dangerous than the jags the boat had ever seen in its own little bay. A kind woman discovered the boat lost, trapped in mangrove roots along a river inlet. She gave it new oars and asked nothing in return. She wished the little boat farewell and sent it on its way. And the somewhat scuffed and a little bit marred vessel made it home. On a frosty winter morning, the lighthouse found that it had a crack in its foundation. Many tried to repair it. They tried to mend that damage, but it could not be fixed the lighthouse resigned itself to shining as brightly as it could for as long as it could. And years later, the foundation broke, and the light faded. The lighthouse fell. The kerosene lantern that was used to light the tower spilled fuel and flame. The woodwork burned to ash, leaving only chipped bare stones in a pile on the shore the little blue boat sailed off into the sea, not knowing which way to turn. It did not rescue others from the waters because it was scared of not having a place to take them when it had no place to go itself. It became so very lost in the great sea that it couldn't find the shore at all. It stopped looking, fearing more jags, more fire, from any shore to which it came. By chance, the boat happened upon the familiar rocky breaks of the seawall it once knew. More rocks had been upended, and the bay was completely cut off from the outside. The little blue boat looked through whatever cracks and faults it could find and saw that the shore had changed. The pile of rubble from the lighthouse still was there on the land, but it had been covered in a fine layer of mud and sand. The little blue boat stayed there for as long as it could, and it forgot how many moons passed. Workers, one day, came with noisy machines and cleared the fallen uh, fallen building. They gathered and buried the ashes of the tower's frame. Nothing was left but the Ebenezer stone, bearing the name of the original overseer. The little blue boat wished to be closer and see more but it could go no farther in the water. The loss of the lighthouse left the the boat scared to return to the open sea. And so it stayed stuck against the jags for years, letting them cut at it, scuff it, wear parts of it so thin that the sea threatened to overtake the boat and take it to the depths. One day some young people found the little boat while out on the water playing, and two of them got into it. They asked the boat to take them back home, and the boat did, because it had nothing else to do with its time. The boat lingered on their shore for many years, resting from the great jags and storms, and with time, many came and repaired the boat, patching weak spots, strengthening it, adding on to it, making it more, and protected it. And then the boat's rest ended one day when a great ship passed nearby and caught itself in a shoal way too shallow for the ship to make. The ship slowed, and then it stopped and began to capsize. The passengers and crew who were on board were in danger because the ship was yawing deeply toward the water. Some made it to rescue boats, but many were thrown dangerously into the cold, dark waters of the sea. They cried for help, but none seemed to come from the lifeboats surrounding the ship, many of which had already made it to shore. The little blue boat heard them crying out, but it was so afraid. It was unsure about the mended parts of its body, worrying if it would be strong enough or whole enough to be able to once again carry the weight of others within. It decided that with the rest um, with the rest it had received, it must at least try, and floated quickly over to the passengers in the water, taking them on board and delivering them safely to the shore. Many times over it did this, until none were left in the water. It discovered that it saved itself that day by caring for others who needed only the safety of a lifeboat, if only for a moment. Having once again found its purpose, the little blue boat sailed off into the sea, knowing the currents and the sea walls would never allow it to return to its own bay. Because of its time of rest and repairs, The little boat carried the strength of its lighthouse with it, once again bringing hope and safety to passengers and ships in peril.
0: When my mom was 67 years old, she wrecked her Harley Davidson motorcycle. She slid off the road on a sharp curve in the hills of the East Texas Pine Forest and skidded sideways across several dozen feet. She broke her nose, scraped the skin off of both of her arms, and broke seven vertebrae in her lower and mid back. The emergency responders had to take her by life flight to a hospital that was over an hour and a half away from where the accident had happened. We weren't sure she would survive. The neurosurgeon who took care of her back injuries had to use screws to attach two metal rods on each side of her spinal column. It's still lots of fun to go through airport security with her even today. I asked her permission to tell you the story of your accident and her recovery from it this morning because I think I learned something about our topic of perseverance from that experience. My mom survived the accident and then persevered through first a rehabilitation hospital and then outpatient physical therapy, yes, partially through her own grit and determination. She drew upon her religious faith and spiritual practices. Also, though, also, she had a whole host of loved ones who stayed with her and supported her through those times. My stepfather, Ty, took care of her when she was not physically capable of caring for herself. Her children and other family members chipped in too. Along with a whole host of friends, we brought them meals, helped with chores and errands, provided rides to where she needed to go, gave her emotional support, and sounded a resounding chorus of no when she wanted to get back on a motorcycle before she had ever even taken the back brace off. Well, today at age 78, my mom no longer rides a Harley, but she does have an open-air go-kart in which she zooms around her neighborhood at altogether alarming rates of speed. So perseverance, our ability to survive and sometimes even thrive through adversity, has both an individualistic component and a communal aspect. We persevere through our own grit and determination, yes, and science has shown that we can cultivate this tenacity and resilience through things such as spiritual practices, religious faith, being open to humor beauty, joy, and grief, embracing gratitude and forgiveness, and, perhaps most importantly, practicing self-compassion. But we also need community. We need love and support to fully develop our perseverance. We find greater strength, power, and sustenance communally. And so our religious community here at First Unitarian Universalist Church of Austin can help us all maintain our spiritual perseverance. We need each other, and we need so many more if we are to persevere against the assaults on human rights and dignity, the degradation and potential destruction of life and our planet we are witnessing in these times. And sometimes... Sometimes we have to be vulnerable enough to ask for help, to admit that we need help. Sometimes to be able to persevere in the long run, we need to set the burden of our struggles down and let others carry them for a while. We need just a pause, a respite, a time to simply take care of ourselves and our nearest loved ones. We need this in order to be able to build up the resilience that is so necessary for perseverance. And yet, it is more complicated than that, even, because those of us with relative privilege can more easily retreat from the struggle than those who are being crushed under the weight of extreme oppression and maltreatment. We cannot allow ourselves to fall prey to the lie that tells us we can look away permanently, because in the end, As Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. wrote, Injustice anywhere is a threat to justice everywhere. Whatever affects one directly affects all indirectly. This past week, we witnessed this juxtaposition of the celebration of our country's Independence Day and all the values it's supposed to represent We witnessed that juxtaposed against the Department of Homeland Security's own Inspector General's report on quote, dangerous overcrowding and prolonged detention of children and adults. This was at five Customs and Border Protection holding facilities here in Texas. Now these facilities are supposed to be temporary at the border and yet in these five facilities alone, the office of the Inspector General found 8,000 detainees in custody, with almost half of them held greater than the time period that is allowed by law. 2,669 of them were children, 826 had been held longer than the law allows, 50 were younger than seven years old. Children and adults sleeping on concrete floors with no access to showers, limited or no changes of clothing, and no hot meals. Adults held in overcrowded, sometimes standing-room-only conditions, some for over a month. They found a group of of adults who had gotten sick because they had only been fed bologna sandwiches their entire time in the facility. One of the facilities was basically outdoor cages that had been constructed under a bridge, an overpass in the heat of El Paso, Texas. These are just some of the conditions that have been observed. These are only the border facilities, and they don't include conditions at longer-term prison camps maintained by Immigration and Customs Enforcement. Just yesterday, the New York Times published a new report about a children's facility in Clint, Texas, that is even worse than what I just described. I am dismayed that my country is doing this again. I am horrified that it's happening in my state. I can only imagine how painful witnessing, me, witnessing this must be for those of you with small children of your own. I struggle because no matter how many phone calls I make, how many emails I send, petitions I sign, contributions I give, rallies and protests, protests I attend, and on and on and on still, never feels like enough. I struggle with persevering when it would be so easy to fall into despair and hopelessness. And yet, I know I know the folks in those facilities have had to persevere against conditions in their home countries, a perilous journey to seek refuge, and the horrifying way in which they're being treated by our own government. I know those folks have had to persevere in ways in which I never have, and can only begin to grasp at understanding I know that I can't claim to affirm our Unitarian Universalist principles such as the inherent worth and dignity of each person, justice, equity, and compassion. I can't uphold this church's mission. I can't retain my own humanity if I keep silent while the humanity of people seeking our help is defiled. I know that I must act now that waiting for the next election to act is too late, as important as that election will be, in relation to ending these atrocities. I know that to persevere, to keep up the struggle in the face of such heartbreak, I'm gonna need this religious community I'm going to need my Unitarian Universalist faith. I'm going to need the leadership of those who have experienced personally our broken and bigoted immigration system. And I'm going to need the many other folks and organizations that are joining together to cry out for an end to these atrocities. My beloveds, I believe that our Unitarian Universalist faith Our religious values, this church's mission, they are calling us, each of us, to do what we can to demand an end to these crimes against humanity. Now, doing what we can will look different for each of us depending on our circumstances. Because of that, we've left left a list of many, many different ways you can get involved. It's on the social action table in House and Hall, and we've also put it on the social action page of the website so that you can follow the hyperlinks that it contains. Beloveds, we come from a long tradition of perseverance on behalf of truth, justice, and human dignity Today, today, we are called to continue in that faithful tradition. We can carry each other when each of us inevitably needs respite. Indeed, we are the ones we've been waiting for. Amen, and blessed be. Now, please join me in our words for extinguishing our chalice. We extinguish this flame, but not the light of truth, the warmth of community, or the fire of commitment. These we hold in our hearts until we are together again. For our benediction, I'd like to offer you the blessing of Lucille Clifton's poetry, once again with the poet reading her own words.
2: Won't you celebrate with me what I have shaped into a kind of life I had no model born in Babylon both non-white and woman what did I see to be except myself I made it up here on this bridge between starshine and clay my one hand holding tight my other hand come celebrate with me that every day something has tried to kill me and has failed.
0: Go in peace. This is a production of the First Unitarian Universalist Church of Austin. For more information, go to our website at austinuu.org.